0: Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are super pumped to get started on this tiny but important series called It's a Big Deal. Today, brace yourselves guys, we're gonna learn about self-control. I know you're giddy about it. It's not maybe the most glamorous or the most fun topic, but I'm telling you there is so much research that says we can set our kids and ourselves up Best when we understand, when we grasp, when we embrace, when we start to implement self-control, self-discipline, willpower. It's amazing the research out there and I cannot wait to share it with you. Um, I hope I don't speak, I'm gonna have to implement self-control so I don't speak for five hours. Um, so we wanna welcome in our online moms. If you are watching um, at a church, if you're watching with a group of friends, if you are at church with a group of friends, or if you're watching, or listening by yourself, we wanna say welcome. We're glad that technology has connected us and I uh, hope and pray that you feel a group of moms in Austin cheering you on. We believe in you, we got your back, we don't know what we're doing either, but we're all in this together. Um, And we, fortunately, we serve the God who does know what's happening. So let's pray and get started. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the gift of technology. I thank you for the gift and the blessing and the responsibility of motherhood. We ask right now, God, that you settle our hearts and our minds, that you clear the clutter, you open our eyes and our ears to see and hear what you want us to see and hear today, so that we can be the moms we were created to be, to raise up these kids to be who you created them to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's try that. In, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Feeling a little needy today as I speak on self-control. Today's choices shape tomorrow's character. Let me say it again. Today's choices shape tomorrow's character. Let me explain what we're talking about. For instance, a toddler who learns that everyone responds and meets her needs when she pitches a fit will become a preteen who pitches a fit, and expects everyone to respond and meet her needs. She may even then become, oh, I don't know, a roommate, a coworker, or a friend down the street who expects everyone to meet her needs when she pitches a fit. You see, today's choices shape tomorrow's character. Let's think of another one, a preschooler who learns that his parents laugh. It's so funny when he tells a lie to get out of trouble. It's so cute. Will become a middle schooler who expects his teacher to laugh when he tells a lie to get out of trouble. Who then may eventually become an employee who expects his boss to laugh when he tells a lie to get out of trouble. Yes, yeah, see what's cute and funny at three? Not so much at 23, is it? A second grader who is allowed, maybe even rewarded, when she yells at her mother. Maybe she's given what she wants. Then she may become a teenager who expects to be rewarded when she yells at her coach or her teacher who then becomes the employee who doesn't get the raise and maybe even loses her job because she continued to yell and expect everyone to respond. How about the preschool little boy who is taught that somebody else will clean up my mess when I make a mess? He then becomes the teenager who expects everyone to clean up his mess, who then just maybe becomes the husband who expects his wife to clean up his mess. If you have a son, your decisions should take into consideration your future daughter-in-law, okay? It is a big deal. I'm not talking about Mac. He's actually great at that. That was a total hypothetical. But I do consider that when I, you know, when I was parenting Joseph, actually it's because Emily would say, hey, mom, you, know, you do everything for him, and his wife will not be glad about that. <laughs> well, Thank you, Emily, mind your own business. Um, Today's choices shape tomorrow's character because life is all about choices. We're gonna back up a little bit. What is parenting? Parenting, it is our responsibility, we embrace our responsibility to raise up our children to be independent, competent, strong adults. That's the end game. Good news to you, if you got a newborn, it doesn't happen overnight. It is a gradual process. My responsibility is to discipline, to teach, to correct, to train. See that discipline eventually in an ideal world becomes self-discipline. They understand why we implement these things so that then they can discipline themselves later. All the research says that self-control is directly related to future happiness, success, and fulfillment. Self-control, self-discipline, all of it. I love the definition we have in our notes about self-control. What is self-control? Self-control is restraint exercised over one's emotions or desires. Restraint, everybody say restraint. restraint. Restraint exercised over one's emotions or desires and the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. Synonyms for self control, and we'll use them interchangeably today self discipline and willpower. Self-discipline and willpower. So today we're talking about self-control, self-discipline and willpower and how we can set our kids up for their best lives when we, I'm not gonna add to your to-do list today. The truth is, What do we do here? We try to help you be intentional in what you're already doing. And if you will resist the urge to roll your eyes at self-control and you will see it for what it is, yes, it's not the most glamorous or the most fun topic we've ever done, but it may be the most critical. Because self-control is really, you know, the thing that makes you make good decisions. And we know that your life is made up is basically the sum of the decisions and the choices that you make. And so guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. It doesn't determine your circumstances, but it determines the course you take when you are presented with those circumstances. So our job is to shape our kids' hearts so they're best prepared to handle any circumstance circumstance that they may encounter. Crystal Evans Hurst, the author of She's Still There, defined discipline, and she was talking about self-discipline at this point. Her definition is this, doing something because you decided to do it, whether you feel like it or not. Doing something because you decided to do it, whether you feel like it or not. That's what self-discipline is. That's what willpower is. That's what self-control is. And so, everything that we're going to talk about today, it's about doing something because we decided to do it whether we feel like it or not. It's about seeing the long term. It's about saying, I'll put in this short term discomfort because I know my long term gain. I will look at not the next 20 minutes only, but the next 20 days, the next 20 months, the next 20 years. That's what we have to do ourselves. And that's what we have to teach our children to do. Because to be quite honest, that that is the opposite of the way our world works today? The opposite. We are all about speed. We are all about getting things quick. We are all about ease and comfort and just simplicity. Let me give you an example. There was a time when <clears throat> you had to receive in the mail a catalog. You had to flip through it and then you called the 1-800 number to place an order. Then you got that order to three, maybe six, maybe eight weeks later. Now, then we got to, oh look, I can order online on my computer and get it in seven to 10 days. Then we got, are you joking me right now? FedEx, UPS overnight delivery, Amazon next day. Guys, I don't know if y'all know this, but you can get same day delivery. I mean, that is a game changer. I get my groceries delivered sometimes. It's like the greatest thing ever because it's quick. I'm all about immediate gratification. I need it right now. I caught myself the other day. Disclaimer, this is wrong. I I had ordered something same day delivery and it came at like seven o'clock that night. I'm like, that's not same day. That is like that night completely different. They should have given me a heads up. And then I realized like, oh wow, I'm teaching them willpower and self-control. That's awesome. Okay. Um, Yeah, that was wrong of me. There was a time also when literally you had to set alarms and you had to be in front of your television right when the show started. By the way, we had four channels. Uh-huh, four, four, and you had to be there, right? And if you got up to go potty during a commercial and you came back and it had already started, there was no rewind. There was no, you had to be there right when it showed. There certainly, then we got VCR. We could record it and rewind, game changer. And then we got Hulu, then we got Netflix. Now I feel inconvenienced when I have to purchase something on iTunes uh, to get it immediately, and we get frustrated when the little download thing is going slow. I mean, I'm like, it used to take all this advanced planning, all this waiting, and now I'm like, are you joking me? I ordered that like two minutes ago, okay? What is taking so long? The progression of technology, man, it's amazing. It's amazing, but it hasn't come without a cost. It hasn't come without a cost. The progression of technology has led to the regression of basic skills. The progression of technology has led to the regression of basic skills. And, and we know all the big ones out there that we talk about all the time, particularly with children and young adults, the increased obesity rates because of the lack of movement. That's a no-brainer. The science shows it, that's not a made up or um, something you know invented by people who want you to play outside. Um, Poor social skills because of decreased real human interaction. So we've seen increased obesity, decreased social skills. Shorter attention spans because of the quick moving images and sequences on the um, screens. Isolation because of complete immersion and unawareness of anything besides what's on the screen. Those are the common ones, but I actually think there are other consequences that we are gonna see more of as time goes on. For instance, the erosion of personal responsibility. Now that parents can get alerts and can check kids' grades every hour, they get a ding on their phone if a kid turns in a homework assignment, we're talking like 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th grade. now that has led to the regression of personal responsibility of students. Used to, your parents got your progress report and your report card, that was it. Now they know if you, you know, went potty between classes, I think there's an alarm for that. I, it's amazing the increase um, of uh, technology has led to the decrease of personal responsibility. <coughs> also, listen, I went to Baylor, 650 miles away from home. In Mississippi when I drove home I had to call my parents from the landline and say I'm on my way and then I hung up and then I got out what was called a map and it was folded and I marked my trip and you know when my parents knew I was safe when I knocked on the door in Mississippi now Our parents. There was no GPS. There was no, you know, tracker for my parents to know where I was. Trust me, if they'd had access to it, I'm sure my dad would have implanted the things that pets get, you know, but uh, so that he could track us, you know. But it's led to the regression. So now there's less and less personal responsibility. The access to phones and technology. Kids text their parents all the time from school all the time. They don't have to ask permission to go to the office. They don't have to you know, go through all these hoops to call their mom to say they forgot their lunch. Some kids call their mom like, hey, I didn't have anybody to sit with at lunch, so I wanted to call you. Is it sweet? Yes. Is it equipping? No. And so what's our job? Our job is equipping. So the decrease in personal responsibility Guys, there, this is one that I think we're gonna see more of, decreased fine motor skills. We already know about decreased gross motor skills because kids are not moving um, as much as they should, but fine motor. Kids are not holding crayons and pencils at a, at a young age. They're holding tech, you know, devices, and they're using their thumbs, not their grip strength. It's amazing. I think we will begin to see more and more. Sleep deprivation. This is not an argument. This is not a theory. Sleep dep- deprivation is du- directly related to screen time, particularly if it is used one hour or less than an hour before bedtime. Um, And I'm talking about screens of every kind, the blue light, the TV, all of that. Sleep, guys, sleep deprivation will sabotage self-control every single time. So you're trying to empower your child to use self-control to feel these feelings and then to stop and then make good choices before they express their feelings. Well, you've got to number one go, uh, is my child getting enough sleep? It's not an excuse for bad behavior. Listen carefully, it's not an excuse, but it may be an explanation. You wanna set your kid up for the best chance, then you recognize that sleep deprivation will sabotage self-control every single time. You moms of infants are like, amen. Um, Okay, so then, I believe the most significant the most significant overlooked and overlooked is kids never being inconvenienced. They are never inconvenienced, they never have to submit their wants to someone else's needs. I do not think technology is terrible. I really don't, I actually think it's great. Fearless mom accesses other moms because of technology. I think it's a gift. I think it's a responsibility that has to be used wisely. I think as moms right now, we have to enter it with eyes wide open. We have to do the research, and we have to use wisdom, discernment, and common sense. And we're talking at the youngest ages. Studies are being done for how technology affects babies because younger and younger, there are apps and there are programs to entertain you know six-month-old, 12-month-olds, eight Month old. So the American Academy of Pediatrics is doing more and more research to try to advise parents as wisely as possible. So we're always looking because what do we want? We want to set our kids up for the best lives. Technology is not terrible. It does require clear boundaries and expectations and wisdom and discernment and common sense. And I don't believe either that our parents were so much wiser. I don't think that my parents were like, you know what, self-control is so important, we're gonna start teaching it early. I, probably if I ask my parents, I don't even know if they were aware, but here's the deal, we learned it in the natural course of life. We had to wait in the grocery store quietly. We had to sit in the cart in the grocery store and entertain ourselves with our imagination and maybe a Barbie if you were lucky if mom had one in her purse, you know. That was it. We had to wait in the car, in the carpool line for our siblings to get out of school. We had to run errands with mom and dad. We had to sit on a long car ride. We had to play games with our family. You know what your option was? Staring out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Made that game look much and more, you know, more and more attractive, didn't it? We didn't have options. Self-control and building that muscle was built into the natural course of life. But the progression of technology has led to the regression of opportunities for kids to develop self-control. We know science shows, the research proves that self-control is directly related to future happiness, success, and fulfillment. We know that. We already know that. We also know science shows that willpower, self-control, and self-discipline can be taught. It is a muscle that can grow if exercised. So what's happening these days? Kids aren't exercising the muscle. It's not because parents are bad. It's because it's not happening in the normal course of life. This is not a doomsday message. This is a aha moment. Oh, I need to be now intentional to teach my kids this. I know it's valuable. I know it's important. Now I have to make it part of our day every day. And it's actually not as complicated as it would as you would think. Self-control, I'm gonna get a little scientific-y for a minute. Um, and yes, I know that the word scientificy is not a word. And it just any intelligence I would have appeared to have by talking about science went out the window when I said scientificy. It's okay, it's not about me. So The self-control is in the prefrontal cortex. That is where our brain fires when we are also processing emotion. It's also um, what they call executive function when you are talking about putting things in order and uh, making order of your day, making order of your life. It is also, I already said, the control of emotions. It's all right here. And there's proof that you can develop your prefrontal cortex. There's also proof. I've had a mom say to me, my child's prefrontal cortex is underdeveloped. And I know that means that he is impulsive and that maybe she's been told that. And and that may be totally accurate that she was told that by a pediatrician or by a psychiatrist. Here's the deal. If your child has an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex or if your child is um, what we would call, you know, mainstream and is still developing his prefrontal cortex like every child, here's the deal. It can be developed. Everybody develops at a, a different pace. So whether your child is impulsive, all of those things that we say, you know, um, affect a child's learning, here is my question for you. What is your goal for your kid? Your goal for your kid, I'm gonna go ahead and put it in your mouth. <laughs> your goal for your kid is to be a happy, healthy adult. It's to be a strong, independent, competent adult. That's the goal. So. You may have a different path to get there, but we're all going toward the same goal. And every single kid in the world needs to develop his or her prefrontal cortex. So wherever you are in your um, age range for your children, your child's a baby, your child's a toddler, a preschooler, a teenager, where, hey, I am almost 50. I'm not going to say 50 until after my birthday. I am almost 50. I'm still developing my prefrontal cortex. I'm still learning how to implement willpower, self-control, and self-discipline. We can all learn it. It is a muscle that can grow. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, first I have to read a couple of scripture. Proverbs 25, 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A lack of self-control leaves you vulnerable. In case you don't buy the science that shows that um, self-control sets your kid up for his best life, God's word multiple times in Proverbs says self-control benefits a person. Proverbs 16:32. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. God says, the science says, it all says, we would all be better off if we implemented self-control. Also, you know this about God's word. If he says you need something, if he says your life will be better if you implement something, then he will help you. He will fill in the gaps where you fall short. Here's the deal about self-control. You have to participate. You have to be in that, I can't just sit here, God, please give me self-discipline. I can't wait to have self-discipline when you give it to me this afternoon when I want that cookie. God, thank you for giving me self-discipline. Forgive me self-discipline. Now I pray you know, at bedtime. God, give me self-discipline so I want to work out tomorrow. Want, what is self-discipline? It's when you do something even when you don't want to. You know, so many of us, I'm praying for self-discipline. I am, like, oh, good for you. Now, what you doing about it? You have to partner with him. So here are a couple of of things that you've gotta teach your kids if they're gonna understand um, self-discipline and self-control and willpower. We must teach our kids the difference between want and need. We must teach our kids the difference between want and need. I want ice cream but I need water. We teach this in, in school, like in kindergarten and pre-K, the difference between want and need. I want to stay up late, but I need to go to bed. It's completely common sense to believe and to understand that self-control you know, predicts success because I want to go to the party, but I need to study. I want to watch this entire three seasons of this TV show in my dorm room, but I need to go to the library. It's common sense, but they have to understand the difference, we have to understand the difference between want and need. I want the cake, but I need chicken and vegetables. I want to buy the shoes, but I need to pay the bills. We could kind of flip this, and instead of want and need, we could say want and really want. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Yeah, okay, so, so when a child says, I want this, you say, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Let's do it together, ready? One, two, three. Tell me what you want. Very good, because that, that's what willpower is. It's saying, I want this, but I really, really want that. I want these shoes, but I really, really want to not be in debt. I want to go to the party, but I really, really want to pass the semester, okay? So, when you think, what do I want? I think, what do I really, really want? What do I really, really want? Just last night, I told Mac, okay, and he knew what I was doing, and I go, I want to go watch a TV show with you, because we recorded one, um, those newfangled things called Apple TV. And so, we recorded one, and I said, I want to go watch that show with you, but I really, really want to feel prepared tomorrow morning. I really, really want, so sometimes willpower, you, you have to understand what you want and what you really, really want or what you need. <laughs> That's such a basic way of saying it, but okay. <laughs> we must also teach our kids cause and effect. They have to understand the connection between cause and effect. If I do this, then this will happen. If I don't do this, then this will happen. If I clean my room, Um, then I will get to watch TV or I will get screen time. If I don't clean my room, then I don't get the screen time. You see, it's intentionality. It's not adding to your to-do list. If I obey my mom, then she will have a smile on her face and we're all happier when mom is smiling. Am I right? Yes. If I don't obey my mom, I will get negative consequences. So we're teaching them if this, then this. Here's a biggie. If I remember to put my homework in my backpack, then I will turn it in. If I, the child, forget to take my homework to school, then I, the child, am learning self-control when I don't get to turn it in. Some of you are thinking, but what if He calls me and I'm already on the way by the school. I know, been there, done that. And this is what you say in those situations. Do we have to stick to our guns every single time? No. We say to ourselves as we drop off our kids' lunch money or homework, today I choose to delay his development. (laughs) It's fine, do it. It's totally up to you. Today I'm making it about me. And I choose to delay the development of his prefrontal cortex that I know is going to be valuable to him many years from now. That's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Up to you. It's okay. <laughs> Keys to developing self-control. Here are three things. Three biggies. Opportunities for you to put this into your day and into your kid's day. Waiting. See, that felt awkward, just that 30 seconds, didn't it? <laughs> felt so, I did it for me. Waiting, build into your day, build into your child's day. Create opportunities for your child to wait without a screen, without entertainment. Make it part of your day. Mom, 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 wait, I'm making dinner. And so maybe you pull the foil off the you know, Stouffer's lasagna, that's how you make dinner. You're one step ahead of me. You pull it off and you're putting it in the oven. And you're thinking, well, I don't really have anything to do. Yes, you do. You have an opportunity to develop your child's prefrontal cortex right there. I'm going to make him wait. I'll be back in a minute. Wait. How often do we give our kids opportunities to do nothing? Wait and maybe you are in the carpool line at school, and your kid is typically has his device while he waits on his sibling. That's not all bad, but today, I'm gonna choose to allow him to wait. Go to the grocery store, you know? Today, I'm gonna allow her to develop her prefrontal cortex. I'm actually gonna allow her to use her creativity and imagination. We're gonna sit in a regular cart, not the cute little car thing. We're just gonna sit, and we're gonna talk while we go through Target, hey, there are some days, listen carefully, where you do what you need to do so you don't rip that kid's head off. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go ahead and admit that there were times when I'm like, get in there. And I am thinking, I don't care if it takes three slushies and four bags of popcorn, you're going to be quiet while I browse through Target, okay? And so, I get it. I get it, and that's not all bad. Just remember that my responsibility is to help my child develop self-control, and so I'm gonna do it when I can. I'm gonna do it when I think about it. I'm gonna do it every opportunity that I get. I'm gonna make sure we have in our lives some opportunities to wait at a restaurant. See, look at that. The right thing to do is to eat out. I knew I could find a way. Yes, shame on you who aren't, no I'm kidding. Uh, But what an opportunity to sit, to order for himself, to wait for the food to come. It's great, you know what we had? Fancy restaurants had kids menus that you could color. Yeah, those were the fancy restaurants. And so create opportunities for your child to wait. Choose, choosing, so waiting is important, choosing. Give opportunities for your kid to choose. Give opportunities for them to choose. And use the word choose. This is a great vocabulary word to start using even before your kid can talk. So, um, and I'm gonna talk about it in just a sec, but we're giving them, you chose to respond like that. You chose to hit your sister. He chose to knock down your tower. You chose to, well, I couldn't help it. Oh, but you could. That was a choice. We're using that vocabulary and what that does is that's actually very empowering. I'm not a victim of or a slave to my emotions. I can feel anything, I can think. What I feel and think does not dictate what I do. I choose what I do. So what we're really doing when we're teaching that vocabulary is we're teaching kids, hey, that's a thought and a feeling how I respond to it matters. I'm gonna choose wisely. I'm gonna choose wisely. And if you've got a kid who is super emotional, which is super awesome, those are the kids who change the world, you know, those big feelers, and, and, and they fly off the handle, and, they, and man, it shows up pretty early, it shows up pretty early. You put something on that high chair that they don't want to eat, and you think you're you're looking like what? What what animal bit your leg off? You know, and, and no, it's just because, or maybe the plate was turned wrong. You know, you you just never know. Those are deep feelers. So we have an opportunity to say what you're feeling is valid. What you're feeling, I I, I maybe maybe that may, maybe maybe we should say, I see that that upsets you. Yeah, that is always honest. I see that you're upset. I see that you're angry. I see that you're frustrated. Take a breath. Now choose wisely. Now choose wisely. Choosing is important. The more you can give, as your kids get older, give them choices like, it's an opportunity to teach a family value. Um, I'm gonna give you an example. Ashley Horn, her son, wanted a pair of tennis shoes. Uh, He's a fifth grader that um, Ashley was not going to buy. And so, but she didn't overreact. She said, "Um, no, but you can buy them if you want to, if you want to earn the money. And so what an opportunity to teach self-control and to teach choice. So he chose to work and to buy the shoes. Sometimes you give the kids the choice, the opportunity, even if they're not choosing what you would choose. I'm gonna choose to let your middle schooler feel what it feels like to eat pizza at midnight and wake up at 7 a.m., you know? Let them feel that natural consequence, that's where we're going next. But let them choose, even if it's not always your choice. Obviously, guys, be wise and discerning. <laughs> don't, they don't get to choose everything, but an opportunity to learn how to choose teaches them what's coming next. So um, it is waiting, it's choosing, it's experiencing consequences. Experiencing consequences, positive and negative. Allow your child to suffer or be rewarded by the consequences of their actions. Easier said than done, am I right? It's so hard. We don't want our kids to be sad. We don't want our kids to miss anything. We don't want our kids to be frustrated but my responsibility is developing my child's prefrontal cortex. My responsibility is to teach my child that there are consequences to decisions, good and bad. You make a good decision, you get a good consequence. You make a bad decision, you get a bad consequence. We all know adults who we wish their mothers had taught them this, okay? So we are going to teach that to our kids. Allow them to suffer and receive the reward of natural consequences. Again, the opportunity to you know, eat too much candy. We're not gonna do it on a regular basis. We know it affects you know, all kinds of things. But do you feel gross? Yeah, that's actually what happens when you eat candy for dinner. Yeah, uh, allow some natural consequences. Um, give them that choice and allow them to experience it. Uh, that may be one of the hardest things ever, but when we understand the value of it, experiencing consequences, even social consequences, the natural social consequences of standing, being the only one to stand up for what is right, um, it w- may they you know, not be invited to the next party? Yes, but will they be stronger for it? Yes, yes. And will they feel empowered because they made that decision? Yes. Sometimes we have to be, um, we have to choose to be comfortable with our kids being uncomfortable for their prefrontal cortex development. A few opportunities for out, throughout the day to teach self-control. It starts with babies. Again, use wisdom, discernment, and common sense. Talk to your pediatrician. But if you have a baby, then allowing them to cry themselves to sleep sometimes, if they are fed, if they are clean, if they are, you know, we, we know they're safe, they're not in pain, then allowing them to fall asleep actually teaches them how to soothe themselves. Or when you comfort them, when changing Emily's diaper, my mom would try to entertain her and I'm like, mom... She's mad at you, and she will be mad at you until you put her back on the floor, you know, where she can walk around and do what she wants. And I said, just go ahead, do it as quick as you can. And then, you know, but let her be uncomfortable, and then you soothe her afterwards. Because what that learns is discomfort does not last forever, what that teaches them. And they can be soothed afterwards. I'm developing my child's prefrontal cortex. Sometimes they're upset. Actually, being upset is a natural part of life. And so I'm going to teach them that being upset doesn't last forever. And it's not doomsday. If you're feeling frustrated, now you can respond to it in a productive way. Okay? So I'm developing the prefrontal cortex. After a traumatic, I literally have this in my notes. After a traumatic diaper change. Diaper changing was traumatic for me, (laughs) for Emily. Um, Let's see. Find ways to keep yourself calm. Our babies can feel when we're like this, you know? And so maybe it's putting the baby down and sitting for a minute and concentrating on breathing, literally breathing. That will slow your heart rate down. Can you feel it already? Breathe with me. Now you're ready. Do you know the two things that sabotage self-control more than anything? The two things, sleep deprivation and stress, AKA motherhood. (laughs) (laughs) Sleep, literally, all the the studies show. Here are the two things that'll get in the way of self-control and willpower. Sleep deprivation and stress. I'm like, oh, that is so helpful to young moms. But here's the deal. It's a season of your life. And you can choose. You can choose to say, okay, I can't control everything, but I always can find a choice that I can make. I can choose to let my baby cry for a minute where I go, what does Sherry Morrow say? Toes up every day. I find a few minutes to go, toes up every day. Sit with your toes up every day. I can choose what I read, what I watch, what I listen to. Actually, the things that decrease stress more than anything are not necessarily the things we're attracted to. We're attracted to food, spending, alcohol. That, that's what we're attracted to. But in reality, that elevates your stress often. The things that we're not attracted to are the things that science shows actually decrease your stress. exercise. I wanted so bad to find another one, guys. That <laughs> was like the number one in every book. I read every article trying to find another one. It was like the top one in everything. And do you know what one book said? It said, don't be overwhelmed. Well, I don't have an hour to do it. It's done. Don't five minutes. Movement. Five minutes will make you feel better. So it was exercise and prayer or being affiliated with a religious organization. So you got that journal, gratitude. Work that into your day. You can't control everything. So then control the things you can. And go, I've got five minutes right now. I can unload the dishwasher or I can, you know, do some TV yoga for five minutes, you know. Can't leave your kid if it's at home. Um, But make good choices. You do have some choices and I am responsibility. I have the responsibility and I am responsible for making the choices that I can. Okay, so that's with babies. Toddlers, I said this before, you start teaching words like choice, no, obey, disobey. That is inappropriate. That is appropriate. Actually, this is between babies and toddlers. I'm going to tell you at probably As soon as your kid starts moving and going places that they shouldn't go, you can begin using your face and tone, no, ma'am. That's not harsh, guys. That's developing prefrontal cortex, okay? That's, no, ma'am. Touching the outlet. You're, You're teaching safety. And if the child does it anyway, give a consequence. Give a quick consequence. No, sir. And if he does it again, I pick him up, I put him in timeout. Boom. It's short, It's short, but it's a removal from the situation. Go back, you chose wrong. Boom, that's it. We don't do bad boy, bad girl, bad, no. It's a good kid who is going, hey, how serious is she, you know? We're all born with a predisposition toward self-preservation and self-promotion. That's not bad. It's our job to help him develop his prefrontal cortex. Start using those words early and start using consequences. Work on emotional vocabulary and separating feelings from behaviors. We have an entire series called Emote Control. I'm not sure what year it's in, is, I don't know, but uh, it, it is there for you, uh, or we will teach it, uh, I actually don't know, is it in the spring? Oh, it's this spring, I love it, because we are teaching kids, you can feel anything, but what you do with that feeling matters. So again, that development of the prefrontal cortex, the first thing they have to learn is that that is a thought or a feeling. Now stop, think, choose the right behavior. That's another Sherry Morrow. Stop, think, choose the right behavior. So we're teaching development. That's a pause, press pause. I am going to choose wisely. So we start that vocabulary and that with preschoolers, we teach the pause before you, or if you anticipate your child, oh, he's about to pitch a fit, don't run out of the room. (laughs) It's an opportunity to develop the prefrontal cortex and you go, okay, I'm gonna give you a reminder. Take a breath, take a break, watch your tone, watch your face, take a breath, take a break, watch your tone, watch your face. Because when you get into elementary, the main thing you're teaching is I am fully responsible for my words and my actions. I chose to misbehave, I chose to yell at mom, I chose. I am fully responsible for my words and my actions, including my tone and my facial expression. It all matters, it all matters. I can't help it, oh, that is precious that you think that. Yes, you can, yes, you can. Um, As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what's the last one? Self-control. We're always like, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace. Like, uh uh-huh. The last one, self-control. Self-control. You can help it, and God wants you to help it, but you've got to partner with him and do your part. I control my words and my actions. Um, This is a biggie. My words and my actions affect others, my words and my actions affect others. My words, my actions, my choice. That's what we want to teach our kids. That's teaching self control because I can't always dictate how the people around my kids will behave. I can't always dictate their circumstances, but I can empower them to have control and to feel control and to implement self-control how they approach and respond to those people. I cannot control my circumstances and the people around me, but I can always say always, I can always control how I approach and respond to those people. That's self-control, that's willpower, that's self-discipline. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity and fear, but of power, of love, and what's the last one? What the what? It's like God knew we needed it to make our lives better. Am I right? He knows us. He knows us. I have given you the power to stand up for yourself. I have given you the love you need to be kind when you don't feel like it. And I will give you, when you partner with me, when you choose to implement it, the self-control and self-discipline and willpower you need to choose the right thing. Man, as I read this and I studied it, I'm like, this is amazing. I've got to work on this with my kids. They need that self-control. Man, those people, I'm gonna help those moms. Their families need that self, what? You mean I need it too? We can't help it. What's the best way to teach our kids self-control? To have self-control. My kids watch me. How do I wait? Am I impatient? Am I patient? How do I um, choose? How do I respond when things are slower? Do you know that if they are slow at Chick-fil-A, they give you a gift card. Are you joking me? That's like double winning, okay? So a, sl- a long line at Chick-fil-A is an opportunity to come back because they give you a free thing. And so whenever somebody apologizes at the window of fast food, this is hypothetical. I'm sure my children never witnessed this. but um, like, And I would say, you know what? Thank you. My kitchen's still clean. Thank you. And so, what an opportunity we have to model that for our children, to model waiting, to model being patient, to model implementing self-control, um, to just for it to be a part of our lives, then it is actually contagious. It, it, it will overflow. How do your kids watch you respond when you're angry, when you're frustrated? when you're, It's an opportunity, guys. It's not about guilt. It's about an opportunity. Control the choices you can, and remember that the number, the top two, Top two that sabotage self-control, sleep deprivation and stress. So you know what? We know that's a part of our lives, so we're gonna control what we can. We're gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I can to get as much sleep as I can, and I'm gonna do what I can to be wise about how I relieve stress. You be you, you do what God created you to do, be who God created you to be. He will give you what you need. He, and if today all you can do is have the self-control not to scream and cry at everyone you come in contact with, you know, baby steps. Baby steps. Do what you need to do, and he will give you what you need. It's a wonderful thing, this self-control. It will not only improve your life, your marriage, your home, all of your friendships, but also your children. What an opportunity we have What an opportunity we have in a day and age when we can use common sense, when common sense is so uncommon. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity you've put before us to implement something you have said is so valuable. We ask right now, God, that you give us what we need, that you remind us, nudge us, every time there's an opportunity for us to use self-control and an opportunity to teach self-control. God, we want to do the work you've called us to do. And we need you to do it well. Thank you for promising to partner with us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. amen.